2: Welcome to the Total
3: Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the
2: car. And now, your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back
1: to another episode of the Total Car Score Podcast with uh, Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And uh, Lauren, since everything is virtual this year and this week is your birthday. I'm going to give you two virtual birthday oh, gifts. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the new Raptor and the new Cadillac Black Wings. What do you think about that?
2: <laughs> awesome. I, I can make room in the garage. We're putting an addition on right now, so that'd be perfect.
1: <laughs>
0: what do Put you think, right Carl?
2: stack them on the left. <laughs> uh,
0: I think those would be great presents to get. I'll take any car for free, especially cars like that. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it's very interesting that, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk of electric cars and the new mandate and GM going uh, all electric by, what is it, 2035? Uh, I think that's no,
2: a big and, bullet uh, to bite on. I think yeah, and then this week, we,
1: the the big news is about two cars that probably going to be the last of their era, I mean, of this era, right? Who knows? <sighs> that's That's
0: what they say now. Of course, I always like to say, you know, remember a year ago? when personal car ownership was so passe and we're all going to do ride sharing and
2: right. owning Everyone's your own car is going to be
0: silly. Come on. Oh, wait, pandemic coronavirus. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So yeah, I love it when people make long-term predictions. Cause you know, remember when gas was going to be 10 bucks a gallon by now, remember it went up in the, in the middle of two thousands. Oh, if it peak oil, that's it. Now we're never going to have as much oil on the planet. Gas just going to keep going up. Study, study, study. Or America is going to become energy independent and gas will be more available than it's ever been. It's one of those two. I know it's one of those two. I just don't know.
1: (laughs) Can be there something in between. I mean, like can be there something in
0: between. Yeah. So I just, I always, I, I, one of my favorite pastimes is, looking at past predictions and how bad and how wrong they were. So I'll take new predictions from anyone at any moment in time. It's, to me, it's like, oh, cool. This sounds like some future
2: fun. You never can tell.
1: Yeah, we didn't talk much about that news from GM last week when they announced uh, that plan to eliminate all of uh, internal combustion cars in a, I mean, a very, very relatively short time because what was it, 2030 or 2035? I don't remember now. Thirty five. In-
0: it's 20-30- 2035. But remember so, that the, the average vehicle cycle is seven years. Exactly. So if if you're not going to have any electric cars by 2035, then by 2028 you are You're designing the 2035 cars, and you're not designing internal combustion cars anymore after 2028. And that doesn't sound
2: that far away suddenly when you think about it. Not well, exactly. Because right, but that they also light... said autonomous cars too. The same thing. Oh, we're going to have autonomous cars by 2020. Well, yep. again, we keep running into these roadblocks that because government has great ideas sometimes, but they're not practical. And of course, when they enforce manufacturers to do it, they put their investments into following the law or the rules because the penalties are so high. But then one, they're not making any money. Two, customers don't want it. And then three, they hit a roadblock and then we have to turn left. And it seems to be that is a consistent problem. Uh, we remember, and I, I know Carl definitely drove, but I drove as well, the Ford Explorer and the Chevy Equinox hydrogen fuel cell cars. You remember I those? Drive, I drove yeah, that. Yep, I drove
1: that one too.
2: Oh, you did. I wasn't sure, but you know, yeah, they had us Miami. drive it in New York, and I thought, oh, this is great, great technology. They went through all the you know the hurdles, and then they shelved it. So you know that's a whole thing that no one seems to know too much about, and 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 I keep telling people, you know, don't don't make the assumption that you know once once somebody makes a decision like that, like Volvo, we're going to go all electric, but they really didn't say that. What they actually said was, "Yeah, we're going to have hybrid, techni- hybrid, you know, mild hybrids, and we're going to offer all electric cars, but not just electric cars because you'd cut off your nose despite your face." So, do you think
1: that you guys think that this uh, announcement from GM last week is more marketing than reality? Because, I mean, I mean, from what we are analyzing here, like. That plan doesn't seem to be very doable. I mean, we'll have to talk to someone there to let us know how the details of that. But uh, what do you think, Carl?
0: Well, you're at 2% EV share nationwide, nationwide and you're at 5% in super, ultra, we're going to save the planet first, California. So uh, if you're at 2% to 5%, depending on which state you're in, and you're going to be 100% in 14 years, again, anything's possible. You know, sometimes I think about Nokia being the biggest cell phone seller in like 2004 and then how did they look in 2009 two years after the iphone came out right so things can shift quickly if all the circumstances are right but i still think when you've got the kind of critical mass built around internal combustion gas station networks fueling networks supplier networks um and I still think about things where I don't see an EV ever working. I just don't see an EV working because I'm going to go with a big truck and a bunch of people and equipment into the middle of nowhere for four days straight and then could drive back out, you know, no unless sense. they're going to start putting EV chargers in the middle of, you know, Moab. I don't know how well that's going to work, right? And if I'm going across the country, anyone who knows me goes across the country. You know, I'm a literal and figurative machine going across the country. How long does it take to empty me and fill the vehicle? I'm back on the road going. And the idea that I got to stop. Oh, dude, you get a Starbucks? I've never gone to a Starbucks in my life. I don't drink coffee. It has no interest for me. Okay. So this idea, we're going to make an event out of the out of the fuel stop, or in this yeah. case, the recharging stop. It's like, yeah, you know what the event what are you is? Do stop what are you and start do? as quickly as possible, so I can get on to my next thing. Okay, I got better things to do than stand around going, oh look at the look at the coffee we're drinking while our car recharges. It Has no interest to in me at all. <laughs> okay, I know that.
2: On Carl. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you, I've talked to more people that have Teslas and other products or just pick one. And, you know, there's Jaguar I-Pace and the Audi E-Tron, all great cars. But nobody wants to charge. They go, I charge at home. I said, well, what do you do if you got to go out last minute? They go, "Um, I ask a friend to help me. I order out. I mean, you can you can hear the, the the wheels turning in their head. And I just did a drive and I do it quite a bit from Buffalo to Florida and Florida back to Buffalo and. You know, 15 hours, and I can stop one time in my diesel SUV, seven minutes I fill up, I'm on the road, boom, done. I don't care if it costs me $100 to fill up, which it doesn't, because fuel for diesel is somewhere, it comes out to be like 45 bucks. even if it doubles in price. I'm still keeping my vehicle because I have to stop one, I have to stop more to go to the bathroom. With electric cars, you have to plan your stops. And then you're going to you're gonna sit around for two, three hours and wait in line for the guy in front of you because there's only so many charging stations. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? Are you, you going to eat? Okay, maybe you'll clear out your emails and your text message. Then what?
1: Imagine if this is the kind of weather that you're experiencing in Buffalo right now. So, like, maybe not. Oh, my not. God, it like... kills
2: the battery. It <laughs> yeah. kills so, the uh,
1: battery. Lauren, let's talk about something that is reality. I can give you 500 miles, which is the Raptor. They didn't announce too many specs on it, but uh, what did you think about it? They
2: cheaped out on me. I was waiting for the Shelby GT500 engine in there, which is all rumor, as we hear. But it's supposed to be in the Raptor R. And the only thing they announced was in the press release. It was one little sentence on the beginning of the bullet points that Raptor R is coming soon, which means nothing. I I, know. I feel I got short changed on that. I mean, the vehicle's awesome, but I will not buy one until it has a Shelby motor in it because that will be a collectible. That will be a very cool piece. And actually, I want to order one in chassis twenty seven to match my other twenty sevens. But I really think that the truth is that I think they have a great vehicle. And again, if you're off roading, you don't want to be in an electric vehicle because there is no charging stations in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you can even
0: bring you can even bring gallons of gas with you. Right. I mean, like like if I right? if I go into the middle of nowhere, but I have two five gallon uh, con- containers and I've got one of those downstairs. I use it for my octane for my Dodge Demon. That's not that big. A five gallon plastic, uh, big plastic jug of uh, gasoline isn't actually that big. It's it's pretty easy. So you could put two, three of those. That's 15 gallons of gas easily in an otherwise loaded up off-road excursion that you're going on you know that's not gonna those those gallons of gas aren't gonna take up much space than a couple of your sleeping bags your tent and tent and all so it's not like you've had to you know pack all this extra stuff in and yet when you get to the middle of nowhere first of all if you've got a three four hundred mile range on the truck anyways you could drive around you can you could drive a hundred 150 miles into the middle of nowhere drive around another hundred miles and drive back out and you'd be fine and if something went wrong and you needed another 100 miles you got those gallons of gas with you but those kind of that kind of flexibility and you know on demand re- recharging/refueling slash is not possible in a Rivian truck as cool as the Rivian's going to be and even if it's got 400 oh, yeah, plus yeah. mile range mm-hmm. it's going to be very neat but I, I, the idea of going to the middle of nowhere for a couple of days and, coming back, and, you, and you hear a lot of people like well just bring solar panels with me it's like <laughs> uh-huh. You give that a try. You you give that a try. You see how much charge you're going to get back.
2: You're right. You're right. So you use solar and wind, right? But now you used it to charge, but there's no, like you can't carry a gallon of energy. There's (laughs) no way to store. And you have solar panels. You had solar panels on the roof of your home. You use it to decrease your costs. But what you don't get is the collection of of energy. You can't like keep it in a canister or store it in a battery for future use. You either use it or you don't. Right. And you need that, you need that square footage. I
0: mean, sun, sun solar energy is the coolest uh, energy in, in the world. In my opinion, it's literally fallen out of the sky and you pick it up, but you need advanced panels. You need and the equipment, gonna... Yeah.
1: The equipment to store it and to distribute it and all that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you need a lot of square footage. I don't know what you would get with the most efficient uh, solar panels they're making right now that you could fit in a truck that you're going to take camping and then how many you'd get, how much you'd get after eight hours. And that assumes that you set them up and you leave the vehicle stationary. You can't go drive in the, you know, you can't go drive the vehicle while it's charging because it's got to be charging. So it's like, well, we'll just walk and ride our bikes. Okay, so you're going to leave really nice solar panels and your truck all charged up for eight hours while you walk, drive, ride your bikes and hope no one screws with your panels and all while you're gone. I don't know. just doesn't yeah, I, seem I like a good it's too, t- too complicated. It sounds like too
2: much effort, you know? Yeah.
1: Okay, Lauren, I have another birthday gift for you.
2: You do? Thank you. Is it a bottle Treat- of wine?
1: <laughs> a trip to Japan
2: (laughs) oh I would love that I have not that's one of the countries believe it or not of all the trips we've been to I've been to all these obscure places but I have not been to Japan Uh, I know Carl has been there quite a few times and you have but I hope to go soon
1: we're going to talk to Dan Pace from Nissan in the next couple of segments and he was in Japan for three years so that's going to be our gift uh, our birthday gift for you okay awesome
2: thank you Dan's awesome by the way
1: Second uh, segment of this uh, week's show. And as I was saying, we have uh, someone that will be more or less like the closest things to traveling because he just came back recently from Japan to the US. Dan Pay from Nissan. How are you, Dan?
3: Good. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Oh, thank you very much for joining us. And again, like we haven't been traveling, it's, going to, it's coming up to the year anniversary, the first year anniversary of this thing happening, like the, our last
2: trips for some of us. So, how are you, Lauren? I'm good. It's cold here in Buffalo, but you know what? It makes for really fun driving, even with snow tires. Carl?
0: Yeah, it's cold here, too. I mean, I think we're down getting down to, like, the 40s at night. It's really bad, but, you know, <laughs> I'll survive. Oh boy. I'll trade
2: you. We're, like, zero here.
1: <laughs> well, six, 61 in Miami, which is really cold for Miami. <laughs> so, Dan, uh, you've been really, really busy since uh, coming back from Japan. Um but uh, I mean, not only you personally, but like the company is going through a huge transformation, right? Like, can you tell us first a little bit about the company and then we talk a little bit about your experience in Japan?
3: Sure, sure. I mean, yes, we are uh, right now going through what we call Nissan Next. Nissan Next is a true transformation of the company where we're changing the business, we're changing the product, and we're actually changing our culture. And I know that for your fans and for yourselves, the biggest one is changing the product. And one of the things that we've promised is that we would introduce 10 new or redesigned models in 20 months. And we are actually just finishing up the last two just yesterday with the all new 2022 Pathfinder and 2022 Frontier, I mean, we started off. We had you know uh, Versa and Sentra and uh, Altima, uh, Pathfinder, of course, Frontier, uh, Aria, Z Proto, uh, Kicks and Armada. I mean, it's been a true revamp of our entire product lineup, and I think that customers are just gonna just gonna love it. And we've actually had a lot of fun. It's been super busy. Uh, and uh, we're we're just looking forward to uh, getting these cars out there.
1: And by the way, congratulations on having the Sentras finalists for North American Car of the Year. We are jurors uh, of course, as you know. Very close call, but uh, I mean, great car. Well,
3: honestly, we, we really appreciate you guys considering the vehicle. Uh, we've been thrilled with it. Customers have been thrilled with it. I mean, if you look at it outside and inside, it really is that sort of cut above. And I think customers have responded because it just offers that sort of unexpected uh, edge. You know, great driving, uh, great features, and, of course, great style.
1: Yeah.
2: Lauren? Yeah, I really love this intro. Um My father-in-law has an, the— previous gen and it was really good, but I tell you the difference between that version and what you have now, I, I honestly think it deserve it deserves to be right up there at the top. And I know you're gonna have great sales. The price is right. It's it's good for anybody. And it really does a lot for the money. That that's what I think the biggest thing is you get a lot of value
3: thank you yeah and that's really the big push for us is not necessarily about the least expensive but it's about the value that you offer to the customer we just came out you know recently with rogue uh, that's also a very high value proposition and and that's really what we're looking for the customer to come in and say you know what, look at what I'm getting for what I'm uh, for the for the price, but look at what the features that are being offered. This interesting technology like ProPilot. I mean, there's just so much to go through. It, it's 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 been as a product guy, a longtime product guy uh, at Nissan. I, I mean, it, it is no better time to be here, Carl.
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, there's that famous statement. You know, it's like, oh, there's a problem, but it's nothing great. Product can't fix, right? I think that's an old Bob Lutz line. But um, you know, I think Nissan had some challenges over the last 10 years for various reasons. Uh, but I, I also can see this, you know, really aggressive renewed effort by the automaker to, well, you know, what was it? 10 cars, 20 cars in 10 months. You know, I mean, you're seeing this. I wish
3: it was true. It was, it's 10 cars in 20, but that's good. I mean, I think our product planning team and engineers would be freaking out for 20 cars in 10 months, but I appreciate that. <laughs> that's, that's uh, I like that as the car guy, I would love as a PR guy. Are you kidding me? That'd be like Nirvana. Go Give back. Me product. Give me product.
0: Go, go back there and tell them next time you got to up your game, more guys. Yeah. But we're gonna uh, double that yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and 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 more importantly, though, I mean, again, we were just talking Sentra, right? You guys have that aggressive of a product plan rollout going on, and essentially your kind of baseline car, you know, your starter car for a lot of people is the Sentra, and it's getting the finalist. It's one of the top three cars for North American Car of the Year. That again says a lot because all the rest of the cars in your product line are going to just be that with more stuff uh, layered on because of the price points that you
3: get them at. So, uh, And we really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you can succeed at that level, that says a lot. And, and the Rogue, I was surprised it didn't make a finalist. I thought that was fabulous when I drove it uh, several months ago at the press launch. It was a very impressive car. The information we've now seen on the Pathfinder and the Frontier falls right in line. So there's this clear theme whether it's the technology, whether it's the styling, whether it's the pricing, uh, the standard safety equipment, obviously everything's rolling together on all these vehicles that you're introducing. And, um, uh, I think you're going to, you're in your, there's a product Renaissance and everyone on the PR side and the, uh, and the journalist side, like we are loves to see that going on. It's, it's always a fun time for us when we see that going on at an automaker.
3: Well, yeah. uh, we're just glad to have you guys and we're glad to be working with you. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be even better as we move forward. There's so much more product coming. I mean, you've seen our, our Aria Electra crossover coming up. And of course, everybody's favorite, you know, the Z-Proto and the production version of that. And of course, our, our 2022 Pathfinder and Frontier, which just got debuted yesterday. So there's going to be a lot of product coming.
1: I actually had a 1994, 1994 uh, Pathfinder where we'd watch more square, more rugged and on that. And from what I've seen now, it's it's going back a little bit like that, right? I think uh, the, uh, the Pathfinder got a little bit of too stylish, maybe more like SUV minivan in the previous in between generations, but now it's like going back to a, to that kind of vehicle, right?
3: Yes, yes. We call it return to rugged. And uh, that's basically what we're shooting for. I mean, there are people who uh, do love the uh, current Pathfinder, which was introduced in 2013, uh, got a lot of sales, a lot of accolades, a lot of happy customers. But then as you start thinking about it, uh, the team in Japan and the teams in the US really thought about, you know, what made Pathfinder special? What was it that really sort of, you know, got in people's heads? And that was that sort of original Pathfinder that everybody remembers from the 80s. So there is a lot of cues and Easter eggs in the new Pathfinder from that era, including the three slot grill, as well as you'll find some triangular, uh, uh, you know, activity going on there, and just sort of subtle hints and uh, that's, that's been amazing to see how this one has developed with that sort of thought of the original one in the 80s and taking into account what customers really expect of SUVs and crossovers today.
1: Lauren, you like pickup trucks. What do you think about the new Frontier? It's kind of the same well, thing, I, right? I like, like
2: Frontier. I I'm all, I was also a big fan of the Titan XD, which I know you're not going to do the diesel engine, but I, I'm just a huge fan because I think it, it really was smartly designed and, and properly positioned, but I think the frontier is going to be big. I mean, it needed an upgrade and I think it was smart that they did a really good job. You've got a lot of competition now in that segment, although you've been in that segment for a long time, but I, I think getting in touch with your customers and what they want was really smart. And if you want to tell us a little about it, I think, it's, yeah, I think thank they did a great you so job.
3: much for that. Um, you know, first of all, you know, frontier is, is the late, you know, our, our, our very latest truck, Uh, It is a true icon, I guess, in midsize trucks is what you consider it. I mean, Nissan started off in the U.S. in 1959 with a compact truck. And we basically have stayed in this segment, which then evolved, of course, to midsize truck uh, consistently ever since. 62 years later, we're still we're still going. And this latest one really is difficult for designers because, you know, they think about it and then the product planners, it, there's so many vehicles out there. There's so many trucks out there and there's so many Nissan trucks out there. How do you then create something new and different? And that's what these guys have done. Now, you're familiar with the engine and transmission, which was introduced in, the, in this previous generation, one 310 horsepower engine uh, V6, And that one is uh, really, really strong, uh, best in class. So we're very happy about that. But it's really about the package. How do you evolve? You know, the design inside and out is really the key. And then we have the intelligent uh, around view monitor, which people do love. Of course, it's very handy when parking. But now we have off-road mode, which enables you to sort uh, push the camera button and sort of be able to off-road without a spotter which is a really, really nice uh, feature. It really comes down to giving the customers what they want, making sure that they're happy, and that, uh, you know, bringing, elevating Nissan and our brand to that next level, which really is where Frontier and Pathfinder are going to sort of hit their stride.
1: Carl, any thoughts on either Pathfinder or Frontier?
0: Well, again, just a lot of great standard and optional feature. As uh, Dan just mentioned, a lot of technology that is going to be very functional. Um, largest, uh, li- highest horsepower, standard horsepower in the, in the V6 that's uh, in the Frontier now. So, um, yeah, just a real kind of catapult forward for that truck in a highly competitive category that continues to do very well. We know trucks have been only in greater demand over the past year for various reasons. So good
3: timing on that one. Thank you. And it's really about, again, it's what customers really want these days. You know, you guys are at the forefront of this, obviously, as, as, as automotive journalists, and you're driving not just our stuff, but everybody's stuff. And customer demands are extraordinarily high. Uh, you know, we're dealing with, you know, Apple CarPlay, you need Android Auto, uh, wireless charging. There's uh, all this technology that didn't even really even exist a few years back that we're now all putting into our vehicles to make sure that the customer is happy there. And that, that's very, very important. You not only have to have the power, you not only have to have the style, but the technology and those unexpected surprises, that's the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Absolutely. And it's it's impressive to see it all coming together um, in a car like the Frontier or a truck like the Frontier. And uh, I, I'm going to be very interested to see what the market reaction is to this vehicle, because I do think there's a lot of sustained Frontier fandom. Uh, you guys have a, built up quite a loyal following. So uh, I think this truck should be rapidly embraced by uh, truck buyers in general and certainly the Frontier faithful.
1: Okay. Uh, before we close this segment, I have a little another little Pathfinder story. I was in a Three years ago in uh, Northern California, Monterey, Monterey, and I was with Barbara Park, the product planner with the car and we got we rented by, by a Jeep in California so there's a video of that of the precise moment and all the safety technology in the car so it's one of the most
3: I remember that cars. I remember that yeah <laughs> I remember that yes and you are here and perfectly fine that's what matters exactly thanks to
1: Nissan yeah. safety technology so when we come back Dan if you have a few more minutes let's talk a little bit of your experience in Japan because it's again we're not traveling and we're like jealous about at least that experience we'll Looking be back with that it. Well, welcome back again and we are talking to dan pace from uh, nissan and again uh, he was in japan for uh, a few years i don't remember exactly how long but uh, Tell us a little bit about how was the change first going in there and then coming back to the U.S. to basically a different country, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, you know, quite an interesting experience. Uh, I spent about three years over there, uh, also in product communications. And if you could imagine whatever the diametric opposite of Franklin, Tennessee, which is where I live here in the U.S. and where Nissan's North American headquarters is, it would be Yokohama, Japan. Uh, just it's a completely different world. And uh, it's... An absolute enchanting, amazing experience. My family and I were over there. They went to school over there. Uh, my kids did, and uh, we got to experience the entire country. You know, from Tokyo, to Yokohama, uh, throughout uh, the whole, basically the whole island. And uh, let me just tell you that the the people are amazing. Uh, the food is, I mean. Second to none, especially if you like sushi, uh, and, and the car scene is also off the chain. so I got to spend a lot of time at a place called Daikokofuto, which is a parking area between Yokohama and Tokyo, sort of on the way to Haneda Airport. It was only about fifteen miles from, 15 miles, fifteen minutes from my uh, from my apartment, and I would drive over there, and the amount of vehicles that you see. Uh, It's basically Fast and Furious come to life, uh, either at night where it really gets into that sort of scene or on Sunday mornings where cars and coffee is second to none.
2: Lauren? Well, I I love watching your experiences on Instagram and you're posting stuff on Facebook. So we kind of wish we were there. but. The cars, they there. It's really interesting. Um, you know, people always think, oh, everyone's going EV. That's all they want. And I know you have to make them, whether you make money on them or not. But the, the demand for gasoline-powered, cool, really cool vehicles in Japan... Tell some of the cool vehicles that you saw. I'm sure some really unique ones you've never seen anywhere else. Well,
3: I mean, the the most exciting part was is that it's very rare to have trailer queens or garage queens, which are kind of common in the U.S. There's a lot of people who have some pretty impressive stuff and never drive it. Uh, What you would see out there is... You'd walk along and hear something and just there's a Pagani, you know, I can't say the name, unfortunately, I can never pronounce that one, but uh, a Pagani running right next to you, you know, and, and people really drive their vehicles. And the other fascinating part is everything is modified. So there'd be Lamborghini Kuntashs there on uh, aftermarket wheels. Uh, I remember hearing two or three vehicles that I I sort of heard something turn my head and it sounded like a jet aircraft was taking off. It was three Koenig Ferraris, a 348, a Berlinetta Boxer and a Testarossa in formation driving in Yokohama. Uh, You just it it was just the most exciting time. And you'd see vehicles just sitting out on the street, you know, just street parked, uh, you know, first generation Hakoska GTR. Uh, You know, a car that's well, well into the six figures now. Uh, And a lot of, of course, British stuff. And uh, again, it was almost any car you could imagine. And the other part was, is uh, I enjoyed was seeing American muscle cars over there. Uh, It was always fun to see your Ford Mustangs, uh, your your Ford trucks, especially coming from uh, outside of Nashville, Tennessee to see a little bit of home there. A lot of Corvettes too. So love the Corvettes.
1: Yeah.
2: Carl, you've oh, been there be a few expensive.
3: times. Oh, How yeah, expensive
2: yeah, yeah. is it to bring an American car over there?
3: Yeah. Yeah. But the, it, you know, judging from what I've seen, money, it, when it comes to cars, these guys spare no expense. And that was, that was also very exciting. I mean, a lot of cars that you've seen or heard of, uh, some of the cars from the, the shop Top Secret or some of the, you know, the Rocket Bunny cars. These guys just drive them like you would just go down and see it. And it's a car that you may have lusted over, have seen at SEMA or 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 just read about online. And you just walk right up to it. And that is amazing.
1: Carl, you've been to Japan a few times. So what have you remembered there and what do you have to ask then about?
0: Well, unfortunately, I don't think I ever got to go to a real like car scene circumstance in japan and i wish i would have uh i do specifically remember a couple times when i was there like i think it was just like a an area where cars would hang out but it might not have been the time frame but there must have been a lot of locals who were into cars and just driving them because i do remember being on you know like a corner and in a short amount of time seeing a bunch of cool stuff you know whether it was an nsx or a ferrari or something vintage vintage japanese cars didn't see a lot of the like US stuff or a lot of the cool import stuff. I think you probably have to go more to the official car activities But the idea that they're being driven at all, let alone that's kind of what you do there You don't put them under wraps you take them out and drive them Uh, Of course that really resonates with me personally because that's what I do with my cars here in the US Um, So and it was as as Lauren said, Dan, it was really fun to watch through your social media feed just to somewhat vicariously experience everything you were seeing over there on a regular basis. And it was clear you were seeing a lot of cool stuff.
3: It was so much fun. You just, it's a series of double takes you like looked over and I was like, is that a Ferrari F 50? Like, I I mean, I've, (laughs) I've seen a lot of these vehicles before, but they're normally in some form of show setting or, you know, in Monterey or something like that. This is a guy who drove it from his garage out to, you know, this random parking lot. That's awesome. And that was that was the coolest part, was that they really use the cars. Everything gets driven. I okay.
1: love it. Uh, so Dan, let's go back to a little to the work part because you were there for work too, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so
3: I was there. I was I was there for work. It wasn't just on the weekends bombing around. Yes, I was the general manager of product communications. So I was lucky enough to be exposed to product literally that goes all over the world. So okay. uh, I did a lot with the Tokyo Motor Shows. I did a lot with a lot of other global motor shows and uh, executives, and uh, just a lot of journalists, and, and had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, how how the, I mean a global company like Nissan operates and how the decisions are are, are done. I mean, we have like a few minutes, but and it is going to be a very difficult question, I guess. But how, how are the decisions made for the U.S.? And like Japan has to authorize everything. Or how does that dynamic work?
3: Well, you ask a, a good question, but a lot of it is really done in partnership. I mean, obviously, the, the Japan is the global headquarters. So a lot of the final decisions, especially big, big budget decisions and program decisions do get made there. But they really do take into account Uh, everything that's being uh, given to them informationally by the regions. So it's not done in a vacuum at all. Everything is done with a true sense of partnership. In addition, there are a lot of people overseas uh, like myself, and, uh, and there are a series of other folks from the different countries doing foreign service assignments. So they do come to us and ask us our opinions as well. Uh, so that part certainly helps. And, and, and I'd say that the decisions, the final decision, again, when you're talking about such big ticket items, big, you know, obviously vehicle programs are extraordinarily expensive. So you've got to, you know, go through all the steps that are needed, but it's really done with a true sense of of global partnership and truly understanding about what's going to be served, what vehicles will sell best where, what vehicles will perform best, and what customers really want. Because as you know, uh, customers in Europe have different needs than the U.S., have different needs than in Asia, uh, have different needs than in Japan, and then, of course, the Chinese market. So it's all different.
2: Lauren? Lauren? You know, I, I think it's really cool about the demand for domestic cars, muscle cars in other countries. Yes. You know, it seems like such an American thing. It's like, oh, yeah, power. I want a Shelby, a Corvette, a, you know, a, a 280Z, whatever it is, power. power. And I've ha- I had a 280ZX a long time ago. Well, um, thank you. It was a great car. What a great car. It was just so much fun. It was like, you know, little and sporty, and it just took off. But one of the things that uh, it's interesting, the demand and the cost to bring those cars there, you probably have to be pretty wealthy.
3: I can imagine that you do. Uh, I think that it's usually part of a fleet, but uh, you'd be surprised at what you'd see over there. One of the most exciting times I had was in Shibuya, which is where the famous crossing is. Uh the first Saturday of every month after about 10 p.m. is where the low riders come out. And yes, it's 64 Chevys. And the whole bit uh will come out uh once a month down there in Shibuya driving through the most populous part of Tokyo. Uh in you know one of the most populous cities in the world. It, and you feel like you're in Los Angeles. It it's amazing. It's truly amazing.
1: Carl
0: That is nuts. I had no idea that that culture was over there, too. Oh, yeah. That is is just bizarre um but you know it is it is interesting to watch as as lauren said kind of this rollout globally of all these muscle cars right like we know i knew in sweden there's a huge like vintage american muscle car following i've known that for a while you're you're confirming that uh, how active it is in japan we know what happened when ford introduced the mustang in europe and globally right it became the best-selling sports car in in germany and that's where they make another car that we've all heard of i think it has numbers in the name something like 911 or something so so for 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 the American influence to continue to be so big, you know, globally in the uh, in the automotive sense, and that all these kind of classically American uh, vehicles and sensibilities are such a hit globally is is pretty cool to think about. And, it, and it, I think it hopefully makes the those of us who have free access to these cars and don't need quite as much, you know, import taxation just to just to even have possession of one like every other country is going to have. Uh, hopefully, we're a little more thankful about that absolutely
3: and i and the the influence goes far again going either way i mean there's obviously the z comes from japan but the main z marketplace is here in the u.s from a from a standpoint of sales a lot more have been sold here and so there is that level of uh Of, you know, understanding and obviously our trucks, you know, Pathfinder and Frontier, very much American vehicles. We've been building them here in the U.S. for a while. The all-new 2022 Pathfinder is assembled in Smyrna, Tennessee, just a stone's throw from Nashville. And our Frontier is assembled in Canton, Mississippi. So we have a very strong American uh, uh, influence on what our product offerings are here at Nissan especially of course for this market.
1: Dan, thank you for uh, for all the information. Just like since it seems that we won't see each other for a, a few months at least, can you give us a little bit of a timeline of of the what were 20 cars in 10 days or <laughs> something?
3: <like that. laughs> 20 cars in 10 days. I love it. <laughs> Go for no. it, hammer down. Uh, yeah. so,
1: what was it uh, from here to the end of the year when what is coming when from here to this okay so time. from
3: from here i mean our next step for vehicles on and on uh, look you got me uh the summer of 2021 is really going to see the pathfinder and frontier enter into the marketplace and then you will see later uh the production version of the z you've seen the z proto and then we'll be bringing on the aria all electric ev so those are the four that are coming up Excellent. nice
2: that's awesome. Well, looking we're forward to seeing again. this new Z car. Oh yeah,
1: yeah everybody's excited. And I everybody's guess we're gonna... excited,
3: and I'm just happy to say that you know I always tell everybody that everybody has a Z car story. Everybody oh, I meet has a Z car story, and that is the beautiful part about the Z car is that it's one of those cars that has a universal. Uh, people have a universal love for it, and of everybody has a story. They've owned one. They have a family member that owns one. A friend uh you know i own one now i mean it's it's really it's a universal attractor it's a wonderful wonderful uh vehicle and heritage to be a part of
1: yeah we're gonna have to have uh we're gonna have to have alfonso Albaiza, the head designer on the show pretty soon before the car comes out to give us a little
3: bit of uh i promise i I will make that that happen i speak to him often that's great. Good,
1: a good friend here from Miami. Yes. So again, Dan, uh, thank you for all the information, for your time, and especially for make us uh, travel a little bit, like now that we've been uh, <laughs> locked down for a long time. So thank you very much for that.
3: I can't wait to see you guys. You guys take care. Thank you so very much for this opportunity.
2: Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you, Carl.
0: Yeah, we'll see you guys soon.
2: Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. We'll,
0: we'll
3: talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more,
2: check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with
3: any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education.